0: This is the Entrepreneurs versus Coronavirus podcast with your host, Ryan Konanoff. We're in an unprecedented time right now. As coronavirus continues to spread throughout Canada, and in fact, our world, we're starting to hear some remarkable stories of how businesses are rapidly evolving and innovating within their space. This next interview was really fun. It wasn't with a business, and it wasn't with who most would classify as an entrepreneur. In this next interview, I had the opportunity to connect with David Gardner, who is the transit specialist at the town of Okotoks, arguably one of the most innovative towns in our country. David talks about how forward thinking their entire team is and how one conversation at the grocery store turned into a huge opportunity where using technology, they pivoted overnight from a people transit service to a people and grocery transit service. In particular, listen to how he describes the importance of using data to make decisions, to being able to adapt quickly to the needs of those they serve, and how the best ideas are almost always the simple ones. David, welcome to the Entrepreneurs versus Coronavirus podcast. Before we get started, I wanted to just share a definition of an entrepreneur that I use because I think it's particularly relevant to you and what you're doing now. And that is that an entrepreneur is an entity which has the ability to find and act on opportunities for innovation. And when I heard about what you were doing in the town of Okotoks, I knew this was a story we had to share, so thanks for coming on today.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity. It's uh, great to chat about something that we're having some fun with and uh, some good results.
0: So for, for those that aren't familiar with the town of Okotoks, maybe tell us a little bit about the town and, and in particular, maybe what makes it such an innovative place.
1: Yeah, sure. So the, uh, the town of Okotoks is uh, situated just south of Calgary, roughly 30 kilometers south of Calgary, depending on where you start the measure. And there's a population of about 29,000 people. Now, I'm fairly new to the town of Okotoks, so I can't tell you a lot of the history of the town. I've only been with the town of Okotoks since the middle of last year. But the town of Okotoks is well known across Canada for its initiatives in terms of sustainability and environmental protection. And a very forward-thinking town, very dynamic team. It's the first time uh, that I've worked in uh, the public sector. I've always been in private companies, and it's been really refreshing to see how innovative people generally are in the town.
0: And David, what do you do for the town? Maybe tell us a little bit about your role there.
1: So I joined the town to launch an on-demand transit service. So my role is transit specialist with the town, and the town had been uh, wanting to launch a transit service for quite some time but struggling with how to go about it given the costs and the difficulties associated with traditional fixed route transit.
0: Okay, and how many staff are part of your team and how many people are part of the staffing at at Okotoks?
1: So I am a single individual and I am pretty much my own team. I report to the corporate services director. Okay. And in terms of the, the town organization, it's fairly dynamic because there's a lot of seasonal work going on. I might get in trouble for, for estimating the wrong number, but I would <laughs> think there's probably around 150 to 200 people in total right across all the different services.
0: So you're on your own team, but if we look just at the transit side of things, what's sort of the size and scope of the transit operation at the town of Okotoks there?
1: Sure. So um, maybe just a little bit of brief background The transit service we launched late last year, officially at the beginning of December. And we launched a fairly, I think you would call it micro transit, a fairly small scale service. And historically there wasn't any transit there. And there was mixed views on whether there was sufficient demand for a service. And so we launched an on-demand transit service. And we launched it with two vehicles that you could, basically similar to a Ford Transit. So six to eight passengers, and uh, we have three vehicles, so we, we were initially operating two of them, and we were operating them on a Monday to Saturday basis from 6 a.m. until 11.30 p.m. in the evening. The real beauty of the service was that it's uh, an app technology-based service. So it's the very first in Canada of curb-to-curb public transit service. There are some municipalities across Canada that have had Uber services uh, in the past, but this, uh, to our knowledge, was the first on-demand curb-to-curb service. There are also a couple of virtual stop services around. Cochrane has one north of Calgary, and there's a couple of others. So very uh, forward thinking transit service, no fixed route, no fixed schedules as such, just the vehicle is available, you book it through an app. And uh, then we have an algorithm which controls the picking up and dropping off people around town. So initially when we started, we expected to have an average of 1.6 passengers per hour, per vehicle hour over the first six months. And just prior to things changing in March, we were sitting around about three and a half passengers per service hour. So it might sound like small numbers, but for the size of the vehicle and for our expectations, it's gone really, really well.
0: That's fascinating. And how did you get into the transit space? What's your background, David?
1: I actually moved over to Canada in 2017. Prior to that, I've been in industrial and uh, marine shipping and uh, global supply chain for the best part of 20 to 25 years. And I worked for a Global Mining Corporation, ship owners, and, and the like. So I incidentally moved to Calgary because my family had moved here in 2000. And I wanted to move to Calgary. So I came over and did a, a two-year uh, executive MBA at U of C here, University of Calgary. Fresh out of school, basically went job hunting and was selected and had the honor of being employed by the town of Okotoks. As I said earlier, it was was an interesting scenario because I'd never worked for any public service before. And... Yeah, it's been it's been refreshing and it's been great. No regrets whatsoever.
0: So let's talk about coronavirus. What were your immediate thoughts when coronavirus and COVID-19 started to hit the news?
1: Yeah, so for the purpose of this discussion, I'm going to be purely talking about transit. And any of the comments that I make are purely related to transit. I need to just clarify that because I'm certainly not the town's official spokesperson for any other matters relating to this subject.
0: Yeah, appreciate um, so, that.
1: So... Interestingly, our transit volume really only started to drop down in the second week of March. So I think up until that point, people here were generally still feeling like it was a problem that was happening in other places, and we didn't really need to worry about it too much. We started to see numbers drop fairly significantly once the provincial government started to make announcements and give direction. And there were obvious things that we needed to do, the obvious things that everybody's doing now. We needed to keep our distance, we needed to increase cleaning of vehicles. So those were the sort of the obvious things we needed to do. I think what happened next was that, given the technology that we used to operate our service, we had an opportunity to do something that very few other transit services were able to do. And that was, we were able to use the technology to reduce the human interaction. So literally when we set the service up, we set up trip windows. And what that means is that when you get on the vehicle, you may deviate and probably will deviate to pick up somebody else. So the more shared rides we can achieve, the better efficiency we get on the vehicle. Now we're in a situation where we don't want people on the vehicle together or at least limit the number of people in the vehicle. So we're able to use the technology to reduce trip windows and thus by technology manage the number of people in the vehicle. So what that means is you don't deviate to pick up somebody else or you deviate to pick up a maximum of one person. So we've got small vehicles and our target is to have a maximum of two shared rides. And so we were in a position where we could very quickly adjust this thing so that we achieve the physical distancing that we want literally by changing a parameter on a computer
0: system wow and so when did you make that change was that uh, pretty quick in the in the middle of, of march david
1: as soon as we receive counsel, we need to uh, adopt a process of physical distancing. And I say physical because social distancing is the cliche. We, we prefer the physical distancing because it's just a little bit more tangible. But as soon as our uh, town emergency council was put together, emergency operating committee was put together, we looked at ways that we could support that. And so it was within, within a couple of days of the request coming out from provincial government that we put this in place.
0: And so just to backtrack a little bit, before the crisis hit, what was your biggest challenge around transit that you were facing and how did that shift to this adjustment to your algorithm and the adjustment to where your focus needed to be to solve the immediate needs of the town?
1: I was very fortunate during my MBA to do a, an entrepreneurial specialization as well as my finance specialization. And so... It's the same problem everybody has with a business. Well, if it's, if it's that good problem, and that is scaling up. Our demand was higher than we had expected. And the demand was growing so quickly that we were experiencing a lot of failed rides. So the technology enables us to get data on exactly how many people search for rides that couldn't get them, at what times of day, what days of week. And so, yeah, we had a scaling issue. A limited supply of vehicles in the short term. We had a limited number of drivers so we couldn't equip the third vehicle with drivers and we also had to ensure that we weren't scaling up too quickly and supplying additional uh, vehicles to meet demand that was driven by winter one of our concerns was that we had some really cold weather here in uh, mid-january and demand spiked drastically because you you suddenly had not essential users wanting to use transit you also had People that didn't want to clean their car windscreen or people's vehicles who'd broken down or, you know, they wouldn't start because it was so cold. So it was about having no demand history. Is this demand realistic? Is it seasonal? Is it just going to disappear on us? So that was a real challenge. Fortunately, I'm able to download massive sets of data, analyze them simply through Excel pivot tables just to look at the trends. So, yeah, we had a scaling problem. And we didn't know if it was sustainable. So that, that was the real biggest problem.
0: And so introducing this new world that we live in and, and many of the changes that uh, were coming down from council and provincial regulations, what became your next biggest challenge and how did you pivot to tackling that?
1: I can't speak high enough about the value of data. And this is a cliche thing because everybody talks about data in today's world. We were able to scale up because of the data, and we were able to see exactly what the data was doing to do the scaling down process, which was the next step. How do we maintain a service whilst not weighing, wasting taxpayers' money, but also ensuring that we keep the physical distancing, we maintain the the health integrity and the safety of our passengers and drivers. So, you know, I'd like to I'd like to tell you that this was a really complex process, but it wasn't as I alluded to a little bit earlier, because we could see the exact number of users every day, at what times of day, where they were going, we could straight away identify what sorts of people were using the vehicle, because we don't collect data on the demographics of our users. We only require them to have a user account, which is a user email or a phone, but we don't have any other data for obvious privacy protection reasons. But what we are able to do is to see where people are coming from and going to. And so this gave us a good idea to see the users that were using the transit, are they using it to go to pubs and restaurants or are they using it to go to places of work, essential services, groceries, and so forth. And so that gave us the confidence to scale down the service, reduce one vehicle. We haven't changed our service hours at all. We just play with a little bit of the vehicle supply. And as I mentioned, we adjust the trip windows so that people can get on the transit having comfort that at most there's probably going to be one or two other people on the vehicle.
0: You hit on something there when you talked about essential services and grocery. And as I understand it, that is another interesting element to how you've been leveraging this transit on-demand transit service in Okotoks. Can you talk a little bit about the grocery component and how that partnership came to be?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So and I think this is possibly we're getting to the point where where you heard about Okotokes transit and what we've been doing here. So as we were scaling down the transit, we uh, actually, my uh, corporate services director, our deputy uh, CAO, Nancy Weigel was out in town and she came back and she said, you know what, I just bumped into somebody in town. And this person had no option but to go and get groceries. They were confident that they didn't have any specific symptoms of coronavirus, but they had to go somewhere. They needed their kids and their husband. One of them had to drive the car. One of them had to do the shopping and they couldn't leave the kids at home. And We talked about it and we just thought, you know what, there's an opportunity here. And initially, the first idea was perhaps we could just help a few people who were returning from travel and needed to self-isolate. Was there perhaps a possibility there? So I then went out and went around to different grocery stores around town and discovered that for those stores that were set up to do online or phone-in delivery orders, there was a huge demand. And this demand had been there already prior to the the COVID-19 changes, but it was certainly peaking. And so we kind of spent a few, I spent a few days looking at it and trying to figure out how this would work. Would we use the technology? What could we do? And again, it it, it might sound really complex, but I think most of the, the, the really good solutions in life are often simple ones. And it was just a case of we have a vehicle, we have drivers, we have a system in place for a payment. Why don't we just give this a try? And so um, two of the stores that are in town here were Keen. One of them was specifically set up for phone-in orders, but on a very small scale. Mm -hmm. And we literally said, let's get this going. Let's give it a try. And so on day one, I went with the driver. Uh, We went to the store and it was a little bit disorganized as one would expect, but we, we went around and I delivered groceries to front doors of uh, houses. The store would give us a list of the, the orders where they needed to go to in town. The drivers we have are already very familiar with the town, such that they don't even need an app to to go where they're going. And we would drop the groceries at the front door, knock on the door, and just retreat a few meters. And it was it was a great experience. Pretty much every door we knocked on that day, and I think we did 24 or 25 deliveries that first day, almost every single one was a senior which are exactly the people that we really want to help not that we don't want to help anybody else but they're in the vulnerable population and people were so appreciative and by the end of that day we knew we had something something that we could play with here and we're on now day 16 of the service and we're approaching 500 deliveries in, in Okotoks
0: Wow and my understanding is you're still doing uh, you're still offering transit services to your people, what ratio of, of rider versus grocery delivery are you currently seeing?
1: It's probably worth noting that we are operating the grocery transit completely separately to the passenger transit. Our core business in terms of my my role is the passenger transit, you know, that is the, the business model. The grocery transit we're operating with a separate vehicle and so uh, basically, right now, over the first 16, 17 days, we're averaging three deliveries per hour on groceries, and on passengers, we're averaging round about 1.2 to 1.5. Those numbers are very low because of the objectives of the physical distancing. So, if you if you consider what we're doing with the groceries in terms of where we were going with the, the passenger transit prior to March we're being every bit as efficient and successful as we could have hoped to be with the passenger transit. It's just that we're now transporting
0: groceries instead of people. That's remarkable. I mean, if you look at the data, as you alluded to, you're essentially doing the same amount of trips per hour as you were prior to this incident. And your rider numbers are just slightly lower than your original launch projections when you rolled this out at the beginning of the year, if my numbers are correct here.
1: Yeah, exactly. You're 100% correct. And I think I have to, I have to make mention of one person here as well. When we started this grocery transit, we expected that we, we, we would need an additional person to assist with the transport of groceries, especially into condos and places like that. We have a whole team of really great drivers, so I don't want to discount any of their efforts. But I do want to mention a gentleman by the name of Tom, who actually went home and over a weekend devised his own little grocery pull cart so that he could just move these groceries in and out uh, more efficiently to the condos and keep our additional labor costs down. So um, yeah, sure that's that's Tom. I, I want him to hear this and I want him to be
0: appreciated. <laughs> so this idea, again, really simple idea. And, and as you mentioned, generally in life, it's the simple ideas that that are the great ones. Was there any challenges getting buy-in from the team or was everyone just immediately on board with moving forward with this?
1: We are obviously in a situation where our operations and our actions, I would say, are directed by our emergency operating committee. So it was Mm -hmm. important in terms of that, that we share this information through them and that any decision that was implemented is aligned with our town strategy to best manage the town through these challenging times, but I'm pleased to say that that the idea was instantly supported. We did need to clarify and make sure how we're handling the groceries, you know, a couple of the health aspects of it. So there was a little bit of discussion that needed to take place just to make sure that we're we're all aligned. But the the support has been overwhelming. The whole council have been in support of this initiative, and. Um, it's been great to be a part of it. And I think it's important to mention that this is one of, of many, many fantastic initiatives that the town of Okotoks staff and management have come up with over the past few weeks. Incidentally, tonight there's gonna to be a live musical and uh, theater performance by some residents that is gonna be shared. So there's just a whole bunch of things that people are doing. Um, what I'm doing is just is one small part in it.
0: And when you rolled this out, what were some of the challenges that, uh, that you faced? You mentioned you're on day 16 now. I'm sure you've had an opportunity to improve the processes related to, to this, but what are some of the original or initial challenges that you faced when initially rolling this out, and, uh, and how did you solve those?
1: I guess a little bit of my marine shipping background comes into play here because I used to uh, turn ships around that were costing thirty to $40,000 a day, and you know where, the, where the, uh, the bottlenecks are in any logistics system, and that's really what this was. So it was a case of working very closely with the store to get the loading processes ironed out, to make sure that the sequence of orders are provided clearly to our drivers, to make sure that the vehicle arrives when there's orders ready. The loading process is, I would say, the most time-consuming process. And that's because you're dealing with a store that has already a lot of pressures in terms of restocking shelves, people not wanting to be in the shop for too long, the social distancing in the store. So it was, I think, the the biggest challenge was to get that ironed out and to get assist with the store staff who were going to take this role on to um, just get the logistics ironed out as to how that was going to work. Once the vehicle is loaded and the driver has a list of places to go to, it's straightforward. You're out there. You get the orders done, get them delivered. There's not a lot really to do there. It's more about just getting the process sorted out to get the efficiency up. The uh, the payment systems, as I mentioned, were already in place. So you know we had the vehicles, we had the drivers, we had the payment systems. These are, are things that if you were starting a new business would be a huge mm-hmm. amount of time and energy to set up. Uh, we had that in place already, so it, it was pretty straightforward.
0: And do you see this as something that will continue on beyond this crisis? Do you see see grocery delivery in your future? Or do you see this as a bit of a stopgap for providing value, enabling you to keep those vehicles on the road and uh, ultimately supporting the community at this time?
1: Yeah, I think you as an entrepreneur would, would agree that you have to stick to your core business. You cannot be all things to everybody and our core business is passenger transit. So do I see this in the future? In the long term, I don't, but I could be proved wrong. I suspect that in the, in the longer term, when I was having a discussion with the one of the store owners just the other day actually on this subject, is where, when does it end and, and what does it look like? I think the reality is that many people will become comfortable with online and pickup, there will be some scenarios where people are comfortable with deliveries, but I think it will be more than likely the bigger stores and food chain, grocery chain stores that would look at this as five years into their future. Who knows you know, how far into the future? But is there a case in the future where our kids, regardless of whether there's some kind of health issue or not, do they want to leave home? Possibly not. Maybe this is just speeding up the change of, of how the world operates. So for the town of Okotoks, grocery transit is a wonderful thing to be part of right now. It's wonderful to see the appreciation from community, but I I would think that as we, as we phase, as we hopefully phase out of where we are now, whether that's in two months, three months, six months, a year, two years, uh, depends which crystal ball you rub, you'll get an answer. I expect that we'll gradually phase out of grocery transit and ramp up on passenger transit.
0: And who knows, I mean, perhaps you're, you're establishing a, a business opportunity for some local entrepreneurs in, in the town of Okotoks to, uh, to take over where you left off, given the comfort that the community may have to this idea of ordering things online and, and being able to have it delivered right, right to your doorstep.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's probably worth mentioning, we specifically, uh, when we decided to do this, we we were very clear that we are not going to do anything but uh, groceries. We did consider uh, medicine uh, deliveries of medicine from pharmacies, but they seem to have that under control. So we haven't really had any interest there. But we are not doing fast food or restaurant meal. You know, there's there are Uber Eats, there's Skip the Dishes, there's many others that provide that service. And to be honest, exactly as you say, why would there not be Skip the Grocery Store? for example. I mean, it's, there, there's a world of opportunity and amongst all this chaos.
0: So when you look at, at this experience that you're going through, you're innovating, you're, you're solving a need today, as we think about where this takes your role and perhaps the different parts of, of the transit system, what do you see taking out of this as far as value, whether it be things that you're learning or, or how this is going to be able to improve things in the future?
1: The learning is very clear. It's, it's, be dynamic and be responsive. And these are, these are things that you learn in, you know, entrepreneurial skills one to one You need to be fast and you need to be flexible and use the data that you have available. You might not have a lot of data available. You'd be surprised what you can do with a little bit of data. And I, I think for us, it's going to be stabilize the passenger transit. We do have a fourth vehicle on order for end of December the drivers that we were training up to operate our third vehicle. Instead of starting to drive passenger transit, they started driving groceries transit almost around the same time with the exception of Tom, who's sort of one of the senior guys. So our objective would be to slowly increase shared ridership subject to what the future looks like. And it's it's really unknown. If you'd asked me this question two months ago, I would have said to you, we're under pressure. We're putting a third vehicle into transit. We have a fourth vehicle coming into the year. We have to think about what next because the growth and interest in transit in Okotoks has been way more than we expected. So it's really, you know, who's got the best crystal ball right now? And so I, I would love to tell you that I think in, in two years time, we're gonna have an autonomous vehicle doing shuttles around Okotoks. That might sound far-fetched, but it was something we very seriously did consider at the beginning of last year. And we decided that it would be a little bit premature, but uh, definitely autonomous vehicles are on the radar for Okotoks, in line with our uh, efforts to be a leader in sustainability. How and when we get to that uh, is, is a little bit uh, gray at the moment. I could also mention to you that the vehicles that we currently have are leased vehicles And the only reason we're leasing them is because we have three brand new Ford transit vans arriving, hopefully in the next month or two, subject to current situations. And those vehicles are hybrid vehicles. They have a hybrid component on the chassis, which uh, assists us to reduce about 25% fuel consumption. So I think we'll be in a transition from now on. When the transit started, it was being looked at as a pilot uh, launch. Within a couple of weeks, it was no longer a pilot launch. In middle of March, it was declared an essential service by the town of Okotoks. And so it's really going to be how do we manage um, the needs of our passengers, the needs of the town, and gradually transition this into a a more sustainable future.
0: I love the emphasis and the focus on on innovation. It seems apparent to me that through and throughout the organization, the town of, of Okotoks is just every part of it has to live and breathe innovation and uh, it seems clear as, as you've kind of described how things run there. And an investment in technology. I mean you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for an investment in, in technology prior to this all happening and that's really what enabled you to just flick the switch and make some quick changes and clearly technology has been a, a big enabler here for, for you.
1: Absolutely and, and, and on top of the technology uh, the, the tough decision was taken to go with a curb to curb solution which is is inherently inefficient. It's far more inefficient than any other type of service, whether it's a virtual stop or a fixed route. But it was the level of service we wanted. Also, giving you know consideration to the weather, consideration to our target users, being uh, largely youth, young people, and seniors. Uh, we didn't want them sitting out in minus 40 degrees at a stop. So that curb-to-curb model was enabled us to do the groceries as well. So it's been really exciting to be part of.
0: So, David, what would you say to, to those who are listening, and, and maybe they're struggling in their own business or their own organization, and they haven't found a way to pivot or to shift or to innovate, what resources or suggestions could you make to them?
1: Separate to my town role, I, I do have another role as a, a shareholder of a, another business which is fully disclosed disclosed to the town and there's no conflict of interest there in case any of the the listeners have that question in their minds. And that business is really struggling. It is really struggling. We have been in survival mode for a year at least. And then the type of business I'm not going into, the type of business required a lot of development before we could offer a service. It's been really, really tough. And I think the, the, the biggest learning is you've got to stay on top of your finances you know, if you need to do a cash flow forecast every week, do one, because that's gonna that's gonna tell you is what you're working on gonna pay off. You know, because you can have all kinds of great plans um, and all kinds of great business leads, but do they translate into a bottom line that is gonna help you to survive? That's the one thing. The other thing is, yeah, you just need to consider every possibility. You may not end up where you start, I think has is, is been the lesson for us where we thought we would be and where we are now is so far apart, and we 're not there yet with that business but and I think it applies to whether, whether it 's town or any private business you you 're going to have to have a lot of courage and probably a lot of sleepless hours, but just keep at it there's also uh, in my entrepreneurial uh, course, we had a lot of online resources, so I would encourage there's so many good online resources there on on how to, to manage business challenges that I think a lot of people right now have a lot of time to sit and worry about the future when they're probably better off using that time to search up new ideas, look for solutions, look for advice. And I think the platform that you've created here is fantastic. First, I heard of it when you re- uh, reached out to me um, and I'm certainly gonna be following it to get advice from, from others who you interview.
0: I think that's great advice, David. I think the, you know, the underlining concept there is we've all heard it. Cash is king. And, you know, particularly at this time, it's so important for businesses to, to be looking for ways to control their cash and control their spends and keep their overhead low, but also as you also alluded to, this idea of, of looking at all the angles. And, you know, in our business, we talk a lot about this question of what if. And looking at all these angles and asking ourselves, what if we did this? What if we tried that? And being willing to take that risk. And as you also said, now is a great time to be investing and in exploring different ideas in trying things out. And failure is okay as long as you can quickly pivot and quickly you know, get yourself back up and, and try something else. So I think those are all great uh, suggestions and, and appreciate you for, for, for making those. David, thank you for being on the show. What's a, the best way for people to reach out to you if they want to connect and they want to learn more about some of the innovations and in the transit program that you're a part of?
1: So in terms of the town of Okotoks, the transit website is okotokstransit.ca, O-K-O-T-O-K-S, transit.ca. And if anyone uh, wants to communicate that way, we do have a contact form on the transit website. And um, in terms of uh, reaching out to me for that, I think that would be appropriate.
0: Great. And David, can, can people connect with you on LinkedIn or, or best through the transit website?
1: Sure, yeah, I do have a LinkedIn profile. Um, I'm probably not as active as I should be on there, but it's David Gardner
0: one David, thanks for joining us today.
1: It's a pleasure and uh, thanks
0: for the opportunity.
1: And I hope that uh, something I've had to say is of use. I'm sure a lot of it is cliche. We've heard it all before and uh, we just got to do it.
0: Well, so many things in life are the simple things. You've mentioned it a few times and sometimes we just need to hear them from someone else's perspective. So I really appreciate you for sharing, uh, sharing your story and it's a fascinating uh, journey from shuffling people around a town to shuffling groceries. So thank you.
1: Thanks very much.
0: Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneurs vs. Coronavirus podcast with your host, Ryan Kononoff. For complete show notes and additional information, visit clearbridge.ca slash podcast. Ryan is the founder of Clearbridge Business Solutions. To find out how investing in technology can help your business, especially during uncertain economic times, visit lifewithclearbridge.ca. Connect with Ryan on LinkedIn or on Twitter at Ryan Kononoff. That's R-Y-A-N-K-O-N-O-N-O-F-F. Thanks for listening.